I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everything depends on you, Buffy. And you have been chosen to stop the vampires. (sighs) Let me get this straight. You want me to go to the graveyard with you because I'm the chosen one and there are vampires? Yes. Does Elvis talk to you? Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicate. I'm your host, Armand Haddad. This season we're exploring the cinematic adaptations of beloved stories. Today we are looking at both the film and its TV series adaptation, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But before we raise our stakes and hunt the forces of darkness, I am joined by a returning guest, the talented graphic designer and the persona behind the Twitch affiliate account, Juicebox Online. Please welcome back to the show, Allie Messenbrink. Hi, Ron. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. So the last time you were on was, was it the Christmas special with Gremlins? Correct. Yeah. And then before that, it was Jennifer's Body in season one. Mm-hmm. Still a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are really two fun episodes. And I'm glad that you're back again because we're going to do another female-driven movie and TV show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So before we jump into today's discussion, since this was your recommendation, Allie, how did you first encounter the franchise Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I feel like Buffy had always been kind of scattered throughout my life. I didn't really sit down with the TV show until I was actually abroad in Japan and I was kind of going through a bad breakup and it was really nice to have this really cool kick-ass lady (laughs) to inspire you to, you know, I don't know, you defeat your own demons at the end of the day, so... She's always been kind of there with me during the the low points of life. So yeah, it was really interesting that Buffy was a part of your life during that time. How I got into Buffy and how Buffy was like orbiting my life was I had friends that were into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So back when it came out, early 2000s, my friends growing up, 
they're super into Buffy. They're super into the spinoff series Angel, which mm-hmm. we're going to get into uh, with his character. So Buffy has always been in the pop culture zeitgeist surrounding my life. And also, even though it's not related, Charmed was also orbiting in my life as well. I feel like Charmed has orbited mine as well, but I still have not seen it. And I know I'll eventually get to it. I I like stories like that. I was going to ask, so did you watch the movie before you watched the episodes for the podcast? I've probably seen like in passing Buffy the Vampire Slayer on TV because it was on, you know, WB back Mm -hmm. in the day. But my first real outing was with the movie, and that was intentional. Because I wanted to see the movie first and then get into season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think that's perfect, too, because I was really interested to see how the takes would be different from someone who's seen the show first going to the movie and who's seen the movie first going to the show. Like, I I feel like our views will be slightly different on it. And I think that's exciting. Yeah, I can easily see why those views would be different because (laughs) I'll just say it right now. I absolutely love the movie. I thought it was a great take on vampire mythos and also making fun of it, but also respecting it at the same time. And then going into the show, it was like very tonally different Mm -hmm. from the movie. Yeah, it was very interesting because I had personally only heard bad reviews of the movie. You know, when you go into a movie with low expectations, you get kind of blown away. <laughs> like, it was, it's definitely not my favorite ever scene, but there are a lot of redeeming qualities of it, and I did enjoy my time watching it. Yeah, before we really get into it, my first impressions with the movie overall is kind of like this interesting hybrid between Van Helsing and Mean Girls. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Like, at the time, it was such a unique take at what it means to be a vampire hunter. Because, like, you expect, you know, like, Peter Cushing or Wolverine, the actor that played Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hunting down these vampires, either, like, this old man or, like, this big muscular dude. And Joss Whedon kind of subverted that by having it be a teenager, specifically a cheerleader in mm-hmm. high school, being the chosen one. Yeah. Since we mentioned Joss Whedon. (laughs) (laughs) The cat's out of the bag. (laughs) Cat's out of the bag now. So when researching this topic of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I felt like it would be the elephant in the room if we didn't mention all of the drama that's surrounding Joss Whedon. Were you familiar with what's been going on around Joss Whedon before, you know, preparing for this episode or was this all new to you? I have been familiar with it. I've heard in passing, I think a few years ago, his divorce Mm -hmm. and his ex had brought up just similar types of issues. I remember that kind of flag going off and I I saw almost right away when uh, Charisma Carpenter put out her Twitter message and I I read it. And then through research for this, I saw how the Buffy cast has backed her on what she's saying and supporting her and stuff like that. And I wholeheartedly support Charisma. It's definitely hard as a a woman in a male-driven field and it's getting better, but it's still going to be hard at the end of the day. And I think it's fair to stand with charisma and who are affected by stuff like this and it's okay to be sad and heartbroken over people you care about making really bad decisions because a lot of Joss Whedon's work is some of my favorite works I I love Dollhouse I I love Mm -hmm. his movies and they've always been very warm and Mm -hmm. 
good in my life. And I know it's kind of like therapy words to say, like <laughs> it makes me feel warm inside, but mm -hmm. I can still enjoy those things and, and be appreciative for the, the good in it, the good actors, actresses, people who put love in it. And at the end of the day, not everyone's going to be perfect and mm -hmm. it's okay to be sad when people let you down like that. Yeah. To go into the whole charisma thing, I guess before I get into that, are you a fan of Harry Potter? <laughs> I think that's kind of like, you know, a similar theme. Like Harry Potter was really big in my life. I've made a lot of good friendships because of Harry Potter and it kind of feels icky to like it because there's all the JK Rowling stuff coming out. Right. But there's a part of me that's always going to like it. I guess that's a very interesting parallel. I, you haven't explicitly said it, but it does feel like more people are willing to cancel JK Rowling stuff. Yeah. Like, so I grew up on the Harry Potter novels. You know, coincidentally, it's around the same time when Buffy the Vampire Slayer came out, you know, the late 90s early 2000s and with jk rowling recently she came out with very specific political views that i will not repeat on this show thank and, you <laughs> and it turned off a lot of people i would say mm -hmm. a majority of people and there is a difference between jk rowling's issues and then joss whedon's issues and let me let me dive into that a little bit so with JK, like, it's kind of like an ideology type of thing, or it's like, this is what she believes. Yeah. And, th and the best way to combat that is to present better ideas. It's mm -hmm. like, that's your idea, but here's a better idea. And then people gravitate towards that. And with Joss Whedon, it's not a ideological type thing. Frankly, he's just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know what the root issue is with this man, because apart from the drama surrounding Justice League, when he came in and do the reshoots, where he was harassing, I think his name is Ray Fisher, the guy that played Cyborg, he seems to target women with harassment. And I don't know if it's like a, a power thing. It might be just a power thing or something deeper and it's kind of a stark contrast because he created these female empowered characters mm -hmm. like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And you touched upon it earlier that you need to separate the person with the work. And it's easier said than done. Yeah, definitely. Because like now it's in like, now we're talking about it. Now it's in the public. Yeah. It's kind of like we own it now. He doesn't own it. I mean, he owns the trademarks. But mm -hmm. we own it as, you know, as like a cultural icon type of thing. Yeah, it's a it's a lot to process and it's and it's definitely hard. And a lot of people at the end of the day can't separate art from the artists and mm. it's okay to be upset. I in a way it's kind of like if you love to do a thing and you did that with like a partner and then you break up, you still have every right to love that thing just like just because their name was kind of on it too with you. Mm. You kind of get your power back from reclaiming that thing you love. Yeah, that's a good analogy. A lot of people are upset and just because he's a jerk doesn't mean you need to not like the show. Yeah. Because it's not just him that's making it. There's also so many other writers and then the actors and so many other elements. Definitely. The, I think the actors have a lot of heart and soul in these items and mm -hmm. like you get to look at them. You don't get to look at Joss. <laughs> 
Yeah, I felt like we needed to talk about that before we get into Buffy. Yeah. So yeah, before we get into the movie, I think we like to do at Syndicate is a 60 second elevator pitch. Please stand clear of the closing Allie, door. you are very well versed in this segment. For those that don't know, when you're presenting a movie or a TV show to somebody, you really only have 60 seconds to really sell them on the idea. So today on Syndicate, we are going to simulate that by you, Allie, mm-hmm. telling me the entire premise of both the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie and then the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show within 60 seconds. Are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> so you have 60 seconds to summarize Buffy the Vampire Slayer while avoiding major spoilers. We're going to start in three, two, one. Do you like the 90s? Do you like weird turns of phrase? Do you like 90210's Luke Perry? Because he's really, really cute in the 90s. Well, watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer the movie. There's not a lot of redeeming qualities, but they say a lot of things like lush and what's the sitch? And, it, and then you get to see malls, which like no one sees malls anymore. So that's a really cool blast from the past. And there's also um, a vampire with a katana and that's pretty kick-ass. So that's definitely worth a watch. So... Um, but the show, show is definitely worth a watch. You got really cool badass women that can step on you. And that definitely makes me want to watch anything. Um, and it's about both of the shows, um, the movie show, follow Buffy, a kick-ass girl in high school who just wants to be a high school student, but unfortunately has to save the world over and over by slaying vampires and demons. Nice. <laughs> With five seconds to spare. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Thanks. It was hard. <laughs> No, you, well, you made it seem a lot easier than it is. So you summed it up. Buffy the Vampire Slayer follows this young woman who is navigating high school, and then she finds out that she is the chosen one to fight off the vampires. So both the TV show and the movie, they both take place in the 90s, but they're two different eras in the 90s. Yeah. So the movie was released in 1992, which means it was filmed in 1991. And even though it's the 90s, it still feels kind of like an echo of the 80s. Definitely. Yeah, when I I was kind of looking back through my notes, like just the phrasing and the stuff they said, we did kind of have stuff like that in the 90s. I feel like the Lizzie McGuire show had stuff like that. But it reminds me more of like my mom and my mom's, What is it? Not Boomer. My mom's the other generation, so she's a little bit younger. Gen X, thank you. Sometimes my (laughs) mind just flips. Um, And she, I felt, my mom would say like groovy and stuff like that, but my mom kind of speaks in those phrases. So it gives me those kind of like, I don't know. Tubular. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, so it's like, it it reminds, like, like, because this movie came out, a couple months before I was even born. So, like, I am a 90s kid, but, like, I remember going to the mall. I remember seeing stuff like this mm-hmm. there. But, like, I was still kind of young when I was seeing these things. So, it's definitely right. formative years than, like, me being a teen in the mall type thing. Yeah, because, like, what's interesting with the aesthetic, it's very bright. There's a lot of pastel colors. And the use of neon lights, especially in the mall scenes, mm-hmm. it's like, 
Whoa, I remember that. <laughs> I really got like Rugrats vibes. I know Rugrats came out later, but I was just like, I just, right. I don't know. I felt Rugrats. <laughs> yeah, because Rugrats used a lot of sharp edges with yeah. like, their images. And like, I don't know. It felt like it was like being a parody of yeah. the time. But in my heart of hearts, I was like, I don't think it's being a parody. I think this is what the aesthetic was back then. It's yeah. Like, oh, it's being retro. No, no, it's being genuine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It feels tacky with like where we are today with fashion mm-hmm. and style, but mm-hmm. back then, that was probably the height of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, going off of that. So, the movie opens with like a very short scene of like Europe and the caption was like the dark ages and it shows like the birth of the vampire slayers of like I think this monk bestowing the stake to this young woman who looks mm-hmm. like a princess and then it hard cuts to the future where it's Southern California and then the, the caption is the light ages yeah um, that was really cute <laughs> so the movie takes place in the 90s and this movie for me checked all the boxes with like what I look for in like an 80s movie where it's mm. like it's a little bit campy the threat is still taken seriously and there's like genuine funny moments in it or it's unintentionally funny <laughs> you know, I can't tell with some of these scenes yeah I thought it was a good time because like same with you I went in with very low expectations but I guess when your expectations are as low as dinosaur bones <laughs> Anything's going to be good. Yeah. So many cameos in it, too, which yeah. is very surprising. Uh, speaking of, so Ben Affleck, he's in it. What? Yeah, he's in the basketball scene. He has one line, and it, he didn't do it well enough that they dubbed over it. So there's an article <laughs> online. Um, I forgot who put it out. Oh. Yeah, he's like, I, that's not my voice. They dubbed over it. I guess I was terrible. <laughs> Damn. I also saw a cameo. I, I, I didn't go back to look at it myself, but uh, in the few episodes of the TV show I've watched, they don't introduce Oz, but Oz becomes a big character in the Buffy thing. Mm. Apparently, he's one of the vampires um, in a very, very like split second cut. So I, I read that somewhere online and I still have yet to go confirm oh. myself. But if that's true, that's also cool that there was like kind of some overlap between show and movie. Even though... The movie, and we'll get into the show in a little bit, mm-hmm. even though the movie is so tonally different than the TV show, it's a very serious take on the whole Buffy character. Even the vampires look different from going from the movie yes, to the TV yeah. show. So I guess the biggest thing with like this cast is you have Christy Swanson who plays Buffy Summers, and mm-hmm. she plays Buffy kind of like I said earlier with like the mean girls role, like she's very, she feels like an authentic teenager of the time where she's kind of witty. She's kind of sassy. I thought it was a fun take on the Buffy character. Yeah. She's got her little click. She knows how to, you know, push buttons, but also be a friend. Um, I really like, um, I might be getting ahead of myself, but like when you meet Pike, uh, she's like that's a fish like what are you talking about you know she's really funny (laughs) i i loved her performance as buffy that was my introduction to the character of buffy Mm -hmm. summers yeah uh, i mean sarah is always gonna you know 
be my Buffy because I started there. But I think Christy did a great job. And I think it's kind of evident throughout the film. You can see how she starts dropping those phrases. She becomes a little bit more serious as she takes mm-hmm. on this role of Slayer. I think she you know, showed Buffy's growth. And I, I did enjoy it. thought she was fun. Even though I feel like the Buffy movie is like a precursor to the show because there are some continuations from the movie to the TV show. So in the movie, Donald Sutherland's character, Merrick, who's kind of like this old sage type of character, Mm -hmm. pretty much tells Buffy like, hey, you are the chosen one. You are the one who will fight off the vampires. And there's always one in each generation. And Mm -hmm. this is you. The one thing that I really liked, which was weird, but it made the whole Buffy movie unique, which is one of the attributes of the vampire hunters is that they feel cramps when a vampire is near. And I was like, oh, that's, I mean, that's silly, but it's also really creative way to like incorporate these female vampire hunters and why Mm -hmm. it's important. So it's kind of like that Lord of the Rings moments where Frodo gets the sword and it glows blue when orcs are near. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I loved what she said in response to Merrick telling her like, hey, you're you're gonna feel cramps when vampires are near. She's like, great, my PMS is gonna tell me when vampires are near. <laughs> they already suck in general. I wouldn't want them <laughs> as a honing device for vampires. No, thank you. <laughs> I guess Joss Whedon dropped that. He was like, no, nope. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of, from what I was reading, I wasn't able to find the leaked original script, but apparently they made a lot of changes and Josh walked out on this filming. So I think he actually, yeah, left it at some point um, and was not happy. And that's why there's some things kind of from the movie that transfer in. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of changes as well. Really? Um, I know there's a comic series called Origins that he refers to as canon for what happened then. And he also didn't like Donald Sutherland, his watcher. I don't know. I kind of liked him. So Joss Whedon didn't like the movie? I don't think he likes the Buffy movie at all. Huh. So, yeah, so don't feel guilt if you like this movie. He don't, I don't <laughs> think he wants his name on it. <laughs> I love it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that surprises me because like usually if your character that you're creating it ends up being in a feature movie, you'd be like, oh, even though that's not exactly how I pictured her, that's it's still my creation on the big screen, you know? Mm-hmm. So for him to have a a fit and walk off stage. It's kind of like a precursor of what's going to happen later in his life. Yeah, I guess the signs were there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, little did we know. So, yeah, to wrap up the movie, and then we can get into the TV show, Buffy trains to be a vampire hunter, and then she has to save her school from this vampire horde uh, where the muscle is Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens. He plays the vampire. He's Pee Wee Herman? Yeah, that's Pee Wee Herman. Okay. Um, I mean, I just I just know Pee Wee Herman as this weird entity. I've never really like stared at him. So I was shocked when I was like, he's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and then he's a vampire that almost unrecognizable because he has yeah, like a goatee and he has long hair. But some of the camera angles, I'm like, uh, there he is. <laughs> I see his face. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But yeah, and then the main bad guy, his name is Lothos. And I, yeah, little... I had to put on subtitles. I was like, what are they saying? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know why I could not. I could not like keep people there because there were two people who kind of looked the same, and it was it was Ben, and it was the first guy who who gets murdered. So I was one thing I liked about this movie, not yeah. to like get kind of sidetracked, but <clears throat> I thought there was really fun subplots, and that's what really kept me engaged. So in the beginning of the film, um, uh, you get to meet Buffy's boyfriend and her and his friends, and one of them leaves and gets murdered. And then there's a subplot where Pike, which is Luke Perry's character and Mm -hmm. his friend Ben, and they meet them at the movies and they're kind of like kind of assholes um, through the plot progressing. Ben gets turned to a vampire. And so Pike and Buffy are kind of get pushed together in fighting these vampires because Ben is dead and then stuff at our school is happening. They showed a lot of lore through Ben. They showed Mm -hmm. that you can't see the reflection through the pictures that don't work. You can't be let in into a house. You need to be invited in because mm-hmm. um, Pike wouldn't let him in because he was still kind of drunk. He was like, just go home, blah, blah. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's actually all this really fun subplot going on outside mm-hmm. of the main plot, which I kind of enjoyed a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, you explained it like the subplots added to the movie. It didn't detract from the movie. And also it respected the vampire lore mm-hmm. because like not only did it set the rules, but like was a wink and a nod to like previous vampire stories like with the whole can't see the reflection you know that's like dracula and then my favorite scene is when ben is like floating outside pike's window i don't know if it's intentional or not so in the 70s there's a a tv movie called salem's lot which was a uh, book adaptation from Stephen King's book. And there's a famous scene where the vampire's outside the window and he's like hovering. Oh, let me in. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, I could see that. I've, I haven't seen it myself, but if it's a vampire thing, I should go watch it right now. <laughs> it's actually really good. And it's also, you know, made in the 70s, so it's going to be a little bit slow. But if you like vampires, good movie. But anyways, I really liked Pike's character. I yeah, I was surprised at liking Pike. Also, one thing that was interesting, so they they had pointy ears as some vampires do, but mm-hmm. they kind of felt mermaidish. Like that's what I see. Like mer, like there was a point up top and then like a little at the bottom. It's like kind of sireny. I don't yeah, know. It's yeah. very unique. I feel for a vampire. I don't know if this is part of the lore of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but like there feels like there's a hierarchy with these vampires. 
Like mm-hmm. the the one vampire that went to the basketball game and started attacking the basketball people. He felt like a very low low down in the totem pole. So yeah. He kind of looked like kind of like a mermaid, elf looking guy. Mm-hmm. And then all the way up top where you have Lothos, he kinda of looks human. Yeah. They definitely show a lot of lore and give us rules, but the magic, like them flying and stuff, like I feel like there wasn't really a set thing with that, which <laughs> just just judging from like the ending battle scene, it right. just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, there could have been a little bit more structure in, on the magic, I guess, aspect. I guess, or unless maybe flying's not considered magical, but I think that's a little magical, personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I liked how they did it where it was like very fluid when they were like going up and down or like floating maybe it's just like a hover maybe they just have a hover and he'd like climbed up there to hover i don't know <laughs> maybe <laughs> but yeah i think overall i didn't have any issues with it i thought it was fun it was fun i really was enjoying it up until the merrick scene and i yeah. it just started to feel like a lot of the emotion kind of left with merrick's sacrifice mm. and I but I like his sacrifice because it was set up with um, them talking earlier in the movie where he said, "I'm here to watch. I'm never to interfere, never to help. I'm mm-hmm. here to, you know, teach you." And then he kind of breaks what he said by showing like he cared for Buffy then, and I enjoyed yeah. that act. But I felt and and I know like she's technically glamored or whatever, but mm-hmm. it, I just felt like there was a weird tone shift here, and maybe this is when. Maybe the writing changed a bit. I don't know. There felt like a tone shift from here. And then like like the dance was fun. But I, I, I honestly couldn't really follow a lot of what was happening. That's when Joss Whedon left the set. Is it? <laughs> no, I, I have no idea. But I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I really liked Donald Sullivan's character of the Watcher. I thought he was good. Like he was a good mentor for Buffy mm-hmm. to show her the ropes. And when he had his like Obi-Wan Kenobi moment where he he dies so mm-hmm. Buffy can you know be propelled to defeat the main bad guy. Yeah, like I agree with you. A lot of the emotional weight just went poof. Yeah. The old sage must sacrifice himself. We still had Pike though. So there was a little bit of emotion, I guess. He had a lot of jokes. He's like, "What's does anyone care what's happening?" you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the end of the movie, it's kind of like this the entire high school like barricades the gym where the prom or dance is happening and they're all like defending themselves against the vampires that are attacking the school and Buffy is like spearheading the attack I do have to say I really loved the moment because because there's a part where Buffy has a fight with her friends and so she's not kind of like welcome in her circle and they they were talking about like not inviting people to the dance they're like we have to. They're seniors. And so there's a point at the dance where Buffy's like, as long as you don't invite them in. And the one friend's just like, but they're seniors. I already invited them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's those short little quips that I absolutely love. And I'm like, oh, because like in the beginning, little did you know, it's setting up for that joke payoff yeah. at the end of the movie. For a guy that didn't like the movie, he wrote it pretty well. So. <laughs> It was yeah. great. And then with Pike's character, at first, I didn't really like him. Mm-hmm. He was kind of like annoying and kind of jerkish towards Buffy. And then by the end of the movie, 
I kind of liked him. Kind of like that thief with the heart of gold type of character. Yeah, and he's definitely the most redeeming of all the uh, male counterparts. Like Buffy's boyfriend breaks up with her by leaving a voicemail and dating her friend. Um, And then his friend would like slap Buffy's butt. And like, then you get to see her her awesome power. She like slams him into a locker, but... Uh Like, it's like, like, I didn't mean it. I, what's wrong? Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> at the end of the day, like, yeah, we're all going to be rooting for Pike. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, I thought he was, like, the perfect boyfriend character for Buffy. And this is when we can transition to the TV show now because, like, the biggest omission was Pike's character in the show. Definitely. Though I, I do feel, um, I know there are some articles talking about how some of his personality lives on in her love interest later. But mm-hmm. when I was watching it, I knew it was Luke Perry, but it took me a while to like, you know, put the name to the face. Right. But he he gives me a lot of Spike vibes and we didn't get to see Spike and what we watch and he comes into the laters. But I feel like there's a lot of Pike in Spike a bit. Yeah, with Pike, even though he was omitted from the TV show, I felt like Pike was proto-Angel. Mm-hmm. Angel, who was introduced in season one, he's kind of like this bad boy love interest to Buffy. Mm -hmm. And Pike was the same exact character. Like he drove a motorcycle, had a leather jacket. Angel has a leather jacket (laughs) too. And I'm like, ah, I see what's going on. Like I really like Pike, but like Angel is definitely Pike perfected. Yeah, there's... They definitely, I think, did a really great job with the love interests in general in Buffy. And I, I know I've seen a lot of reviews where Pike kind of lives on in these characters. So, yeah. yeah, I definitely agree. Going from the movie to the TV show, you go from like this fun romp of a movie. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the TV show where it's a lot darker and it's a lot more serious. And even the the color palette is a lot darker too yeah the movie was made in the early 90s and it showed mm-hmm. and then the show was made in the late 90s and it showed <laughs> everything like it definitely feels like an early 2000s tv show but it's really well done still like it still holds up yeah buffy's past was in la and now she's moved to here they definitely changed like her mom but it sounded like she had a dad in the movie or maybe her mom was dating because there was a scene where she's like, "Where have you? what time is it? And Buffy tells her. And then she's like, oh, dear, we have to go or something in the movie. So I yeah. I don't know if mom, the mom was dating or she had a dad or what. Um, but Buffy is raised by a single mom in mm-hmm. the show. And the mom definitely wants to be more a part of her life. They allude to um, moving because she got expelled because the gym burned down. So I think that's alluding to what you know happened there. Right. She's a sophomore here, but a senior in the movie. So... Oh, that's definitely different. That lets, you know, the audience grow with Buffy for a TV show, which makes a lot more sense. I mean, it makes sense that the TV show starts off in high school, because for those that haven't seen the movie, that's that's a good starting point still. But a part of me is still like, I wish they started her life in the TV show a little bit older, Mm -hmm. maybe like college or even outside of college but i did some research on the show and what makes me interested to keep on watching the show 
is that it continues on in her life. Yeah. Like it goes from high school to college to adulthood and then beyond. So it's like, oh, okay, I want to know more about this Buffy character and her adventures. Yeah, I think a lot of the fandom too likes the seasons after one as well. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, you know, get her older. And I think the college seasons are generally liked which is I not really often in TV shows. I feel like a lot of people, when they go to college, it's like, eh, you write it off. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I did, didn't watch Boys Meet Wor- Meets World into college, but I don't I don't think a lot of people kept watching after that. I don't, there's a lot of TV shows where college is kind of the breaking point and that oh. Buffy kept going. It's kind of a testament to it. So I actually, on YouTube, they have the unaired pilot. Oh. So I actually kind of watched it uh, before we hopped on okay and it definitely has the same kind of you know color uh willow was different um all Mm. the other actors were pretty much the same but it was a different willow it followed pretty much the same idea of the first two episodes except for they didn't have the master and stuff like that Mm. it was more cut and dry about the dead body at the school Buffy transfers there just says like I'm gonna do better at school but there's a little bit more instances of the movie Buffy she blows this big bubble and she says like lush and what's the sitch and she uses more of those catchphrases to allude to that Buffy so I don't know if they wanted to hold on to a little bit more of the movie Buffy and maybe after like testing it with people maybe they threw that out and maybe they wanted to follow this you know, the path of from the movie where Buffy was a little bit more hardened and like, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's so much more to life than like going out and buying stuff. Like I like this is serious. And maybe that's why they kept that darker tone. Um, Maybe that was like workshopped because, yeah, I noticed she was a little bit more her her movie self in the um, pilot. So, yeah, that was a major difference that I I noticed with the the aired pilot um so in the movie you have christy swanson who very bubbly very you know a fun character and then what's interesting about sarah michelle geller's take on buffy in the tv show is that there is this hardened nature to her there's this like i've seen some shit Mm -hmm. and she's a lot more serious and she's a lot more cautious about the whole vampire threats while earlier in the movie, her younger self. Her older younger self. <laughs> <laughs> alternate reality younger self from a different star system. Yeah, she she doesn't take this threat seriously. Like she's like kinda like, Oh, vampires, oh boy. <laughs> I gotta go to um cheerleading. Sorry. <laughs> I can't miss practice. But you must. <laughs> Don't you understand? Yeah, like that's why I'm more interested in seeing Sarah Michelle Geller portrayal of Buffy as an adult. Yeah. Because I, I think that's where her acting shines. And you can tell too. Like she's she's very comfortable in the serious scenes that she's in rather than the scenes where she's like trying to act like a teenager, even though she's in her twenties. And it's funny now because I actually talk about this a lot with friends that like I look very young to people. I'm I'm getting close to 30 and people still think I'm early 20s. And I really think it's because of how we cast people like they'll <laughs> put late 20 people as as 16 year olds. And it's crazy. And she's 21 and she's like trying to be a 16 year old. That's like that's that's probably closer than a lot of like TV shows this day, sadly, too. 
Yeah, I think I was watching a movie where like it was supposed to be high schoolers, but like obviously looked like thirty or forty years old. And yeah, it's like, these are grown ass <laughs> men. <laughs> it's so wild. <laughs> It's like, maybe that's why it would have worked better as her in college, but I don't know. But anyways. I liked that there are the nuances from the movie because the first two episodes are like one story together. And to me, kind of paralleled the movie in a little way. In the movie, so Pee Wee Herman's character (laughs) wants to res his master. And we get that also in the the pilot where Mm -hmm. I think Luke is trying to resurrect his master and we learn that where buffy's moved is the hellmouth so this is like a big activity spot where demons and stuff like that are going to be coming out of and so she has to deal with like you know a master being resurrected and so right. you kind of get that same similar story but just different place different criteria and there are also these different nuances with vampires being categorized as demons which a lot of lore does but that opens it up so she can fight other things like monster of the week and you know going into the tv show i kind of expected either the first episode or the first season to like recap or like do like a tv version of the movie and it kind of did i liked how they pivoted from so the movie is like exclusively vampires and yeah. in the TV show, there's kind of like two intro sequences. It's like, oops, all monsters. <laughs> yeah. And they describe Buffy as one generation has the Slayer. And they detail that it's not just vampires, but also demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like how in season one, this school is on top of a hellmouth. Mm-hmm. And it's a good excuse to have all these, like you said, monster of the week uh, creatures come out for Buffy the fights, and I think that type of format for Buffy the Vampire Slayer works really well. Definitely, and you can have it go as long as you want. Where in this episode uh, she is fighting a witch, or in this episode she's fighting an insect lady. <laughs> but yeah, I liked how the entire season was tied together with the vampires trying to resurrect their master. Yeah. And then at the end, she defeats the master. But oh, just you wait, there's going to be a new threat in season two. So Always. Got to raise the stakes, <laughs> literally and metaphorically. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the show in this format of Monster of the Week works for the Buffy character. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring this up to you because we talked about it during jennifer's body how diablo cody tried to spawn that into a tv show yeah and since recording till now i've been racking my brain and how that would look like because i was thinking about i was like okay buffy the vampire slayer she's fighting other creatures makes sense she's a slayer but with say jennifer's body were to use needy's character how would that work? If they made a TV show, I feel like they would have to follow with Jennifer's kills, like following that time when she was transitioning through all that new stuff. And that would be, you wouldn't get a lot of seasons, but that could be doable for a season if they did a spinoff. If mm. it was, I think we might have touched on this, but you had mentioned the Devil's Kettle. 
right? Devil's Cuddle. Yeah. Um, if it that in itself could be like a hell mouth where other things are coming from there. It's like a nexus between dimensions, and that's why they sacrifice Jennifer at this waterfall called Devil's Kettle. It makes sense. So yeah. I think it's just Needy's character. You would have to radically change her character, probably. Kind of like with Buffy from movie to the TV show. Yeah. Because like Needy is very vengeful. And I don't think that would work as a long-term TV show. Maybe instead of her going off to find the band, they come back for an encore performance. <laughs> Something happens there. She Maybe she gets her revenge, but then maybe she gets like their book and maybe there's all these people who've done all these worships there and maybe it's like this whole revenge hit list. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> have to kill Bigfoot this week and the oh, next week. Not Bigfoot, no. <laughs> what has he done? <laughs> it's not. And then in the show, it'd be like, it's not actually Bigfoot. It's an alien from the center of the world. <laughs> Feeling we're going X-Files now. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's a whole bunch of TV shows into one. <laughs> Diablo, if you're listening, take note. <laughs> <laughs> We have great ideas. So to end the show, here on Syndicate, we like to do one reason why. So I'm going to ask you, Allie, what is the one reason you would give somebody to watch both the TV show and the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer? For the movie, I think one reason why to watch it, I personally love to see where actors started how they've grown, and I think it's really great to see Luke Perry, Ben Affleck, things like that. It's fun to see. That's it. I like, <laughs> It was fun, but you don't need to see it. <laughs> it, was, it was good for the feels, nostalgia. For the TV show, I think one reason to see it is the wonderful characters, how they are unique and have drive and have their own autonomy and how much Buffy is a kick-ass woman and can do girly things and you know she yeah. she inspired kind of a generation of women and I think it's worth it to give her a shot <laughs> that is very nicely put and then for me the reason why I would recommend Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie is because like you said not only do you see uh, where all these actors come from, uh, their humble beginnings, but also it's like a fun, it's a fun romp on the whole vampire uh, subgenre. And yeah, you don't have to see it. Will I watch it again? No, but I'm glad I watched it. It was it was a fun time. And then to watch the TV show, I would say if you like, if you want to like deep dive into like kind of like demonology. And to learn more in a fun and exciting way, definitely check out Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show. So, yeah, that would be my reasons why. <laughs> 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. But that's it for this time on Syndicates. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Please check it out where it is available. And now I would like to take a moment to thank my guest, Allie, for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a blast. You're welcome. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicates. That is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E. Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Letterboxd. And if you have any questions or film recommendations, please email us at info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching it. Goodbye.